Nine days until the blue white game. There's there's no real significance to that. We just need to we need to start this rolling and um, also kind of underscore a point because I think it would be best if we started this episode by actually kind of having a pre production meeting, but record it as the episode to explain why we have yet another new format. All right, let's do it. Okay, so as I said, nine days till spring ball. We're about two thirds of the way through. We're recording this on a Wednesday. James is going to speak after practice. We're going to talk with him, ask him questions. For the most part, there are no new storylines coming, right? No. And being nine days out, that means a week from now will be two days out, which seems prime time, to me at least, to preview the Blue-White game. Perfect. So what do we do now? There's nothing new. The stuff that will be new is still a little bit too far away. we got to change it up. I bet there's questions. Yes, there always are. Mailbag. Monster mailbag, however, is only half of this episode, though. Six questions. We've done this before. Worked well. Been about a month coming back to it now. But my thought was to sprinkle in where we'll stand, not just in September, months from now, but one year from now. Like 2019 spring ball, what are we going to be talking about? Because 2018 is pretty much in the books. Oh, we're going in the way, the way far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. All I'm right. my time machine. Can't wait. I don't know what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow, but let's <laughs> prognosticate 2019. It's going to be great. Okay. And let's alternate them. So instead of saving the mailbag towards the end, we had a lot of people write in this week. We appreciate it either via Twitter or on the boards. Really good questions. We'll do, let's say, five thoughts on 2019. Predictions are just kind of things that will definitely happen and we'll discuss around the mailbag questions. Okay. But can we talk recruiting too? Fine. Okay, great. We're going to talk recruiting first. It's tour season. Uh, It's crazy because uh, with the changing of official visits, it's changed people's timelines or changed recruits' timelines that we've talked about a thousand times before. So we're seeing a lot more uncommitted kids right now. And right now they're hitting the same schools on similar tours. You're seeing a lot of, uh, like John Mechie this week is at Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, that's a a four or five day tour. Um, You know, there's pluses to that. You get to see a lot of schools, but you also don't uh, have a ton of time at each school. So, you know, there's kind of drawbacks to it as well. Penn State, because of their location, you know, hasn't been caught up in a ton of these tours or like last weekend with Brandon Smith, they, they were at the, the tail end. So uh, that's been a good thing. You mean they're not going to Rutgers or Maryland? Not not everyone. Okay. Yeah. Um, football recruits, by the way. Just to, um, just to clarify. But uh, last week was one of the more unique ones. Isaiah Foskey, uh, tight end from uh, uh, California, was in uh, De- Concord de La Salle, one of the top programs in California, was on the East Coast. And, and some of these guys are, are getting out and about. He saw Georgia, Clemson, Tennessee, Ohio State, and he capped the weekend with an official visit to Penn State. I, I mean, I can't. Imagine getting on a plane, flying to the other side of the country, and then going and seeing Georgia, Clemson, Tennessee, Ohio State, and then Penn State. But, hey, more power to them. This reminds me of uh, when we were discussing last winter, and it was kind of that whole, okay, Parsons, Tyreek Smith, and Jason Owe are all in the picture. Who's Penn State going to get? And they were feeling pretty good about Tyreek Smith. It was just, I'm going to go out to Oregon. I'm going to go out to, I think, Alabama was on the list. And he had this tour, and I was like, we still have half of the Penn State schedule to go to, and we'll travel for these games. But I would rather have Tyreek Smith's schedule. It's incredible. It sounds exhausting. I was I was talking to John Mechie's coach, who's taking him to Columbus and, and Notre Dame and Michigan, Michigan State. 
he's like, man, I, I don't get a break. And he's the one driving. He was right. one of my high school coaches, so I, I, we talked pretty pretty long on this. He is not looking forward to the mileage bill, the gas bill, and, and everything that goes with it. He's like, John, to make one of these official so I can at least get you know travel re- refunded right. or whatnot. But it's just crazy how this has evolved. And with so many more uncommitted guys, you're seeing a lot more of these tours pop up. And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, if I'm Michigan, I'm not crazy about it. If I'm Michigan State, a lot of these schools, you know, you're seeing Michigan and Michigan State in the same day. Right. I mean, luckily for Penn State, there's nobody all that close. I mean, Pitt's there, but it's just not happening. And that's what I want to ask you, because normally, you know, travel's going to be difficult to get to Penn State regardless. But let's say you were on that tour that you just mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan schools, maybe a Notre Dame's mixed in there. You know, if you're coming to Penn State, you have to carve out the time to do so to travel. Right. In my mind, that would not only just separate you because of the time and space difference, but just in the experience. You know, things might blur together if you're on that kind of a tour. To me, while it might be a pain to get here, for Penn State, if they get you on campus, that's generally a benefit anyway. It's quality it's entrapment amp- is it, what it is. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> amplified, really. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think you get a little bit, I think Penn State's gotten a little bit more out of it than, than some of these other schools. I know I talked to Steve Lorenz uh, from our Michigan site, and, you know, I'll tell him that somebody's visiting, and he's like, well, is it a bus tour? Is it a, you know, right. There's just so many of these things pop, popping through, and there's these little pods, like that's in the Midwest. You've got, you know, Alabama and Georgia and some of the Mississippi schools, and, you know, just the, the, there's these certain pods, but Penn State being where they're at, although it's it's a drawback, you know, location's a drawback for some of these guys in the middle of nowhere. It's tough to get to, especially the flights and everything like that. By the way, flew into uh, or in and out of State College this weekend on a non-propeller plane, which is a big deal. It is the first time I've ever Great done start. that. I was, I was just blown away. Um, so that's uh, there's progress at the University Park Airport is what I'm saying. Well, now you got to tell people where you went. I was in Charleston all weekend. It was one of America's gems. It's fantastic. It's awesome. The food there, I think, is second to none. The food there, I had... Uh, a Bloody Mary. I had a couple Bloody Marys um, after the ran a 10K on Saturday. That's neither here nor there, but I did finish. Um, so good job, ah, thanks. But a Bloody Mary garnish with a chicken wing at a barbecue place. I mean, I, I, how do you argue with that? But. I don't think you do because this is now the third time I'm hearing about it. Um, oh, but I honestly, I'm not a big Bloody Mary guy, but I, I think I might have to try that. It, I, I highly suggest it. Now, uh, we cannot suggest that for the kids we were just discussing who are all in high school, of course. Uh, but there were many other names to pay attention to this weekend because they were on campus. And if they weren't, then you had others at the opening in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about Antonio Alfano uh, last week. Uh, he was in town over the weekend. Uh, curious case because he's as physically talented as as any defensive lineman in the region. Well, athletic freak. Athletic freak. I mean, if you looked at his, his numbers from the opening this weekend, they were, you know, right at the top of the board. He earned the opening finals invite. Uh, the thing that I keep going back to, those giant hands, I put up the picture of uh, of my hand, and, you know, I'm a pretty big guy, but my hand up to his looks like a small child's. And it's just, it's funny to think that he's a 16-year-old kid, and, yeah, it's just, it's great. Yeah, you're 6'4". Yeah, and he's, I mean, we're, we're basically the same height, and his fingers probably go two inches further than my fingers and not that I have large hands or anything but it's it, I'll show you the picture later it's great um, dangerous territory here talking about hand size but Alfano was back in town Stephen Fischow was back in town a four-star defensive lineman from Ohio who I think you know if Penn State wants him I, that's another guy I think they can you know easily pull in wants to decide in the summer talked to him a little bit last night Penn State extremely high on his list as long, along with Tennessee um, you know he's got the Alabama offer which I, I don't think he can really act on but uh, he's got some schools that, that are high on his list. He's clearing some space uh, for official visits this summer, and we'll see how that goes. Um, David Ajabo, uh, new offer. Joey Porter, no new offer. A couple guys that were were in town. Uh, 
more athletic, uh, more athletic combinations than than solid football player right now is is Ojabo. He's he's just exactly, started playing. Football. He's exactly the same as Jason Owe was at this time last year, which is an encouraging sign because Owe ended up a terrific prospect. Some actually think Ojabo might be a better, um, you know, a better piece of clay to work with. Now, really? Owe did make some giant strides uh, the spring and summer of his of his senior year. So if Ojabo can make those strides, he can end up in that that. Uh, that realm as well. Michigan just offered right after Penn State, which isn't, isn't really a surprise. But uh, you know, I put in my crystal ball for a, for a job at a Penn State, and I like where I stand right now. So it could be a, a recruitment that plays out a little bit longer, um, just based on he's not used to everything. And Michigan uh, won't be the last. Yeah, big Michigan will not be the last to offer. You know, you could see Notre Dame coming through. You could see Ohio State coming through, um, possibly down the line, which is exactly what happened with Oway. So, um, so we're going to save that for the outtakes episode. Yeah, we can save that. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Of course, everybody knows the name. Um, yep. You know, he, his father was a linebacker for the Steelers for the longest time. Uh, Porter is a cornerback right now. Could be a safety, but he, he's got a frame on him where if he, if he grew into an outside linebacker, I wouldn't be surprised. The tape's not there yet. I mean, he's a, he's I think he's twenty four seven sports top player in Pennsylvania, but I think that's more of a projection right now. I think he's a good player. I think he can get to be an elite prospect. But hey, that Penn State offer was one that he was waiting for, and the one that everybody's been waiting for. Brendan Smith, uh, yes. linebacker, I think uh, in the top 25, the 24-7 sports composite. He was on campus from Friday night to Sunday. Um, you know, I like where Penn State stands right now. My crystal ball's been in since last summer. Uh, that's by no means a lock. I, I, I think there's still a long way to go to this. Uh, school's like, he's going to go visit Texas A&M for an official in April. Ohio State's still there. He visited Notre Dame, visited Michigan, uh, a couple other schools. But uh, it's going to be a fight for him. But I like where Penn State stands. He's just a kid that he screams Penn State when you talk to him. And the interesting part about Smith's visit, of course, and, and you wrote about this, um, is his forensics work. He's got an extreme interest in becoming, you know, it sounds like kind of a criminology major, working more in forensics. They did an experiment when he was on campus and just everything that goes into it and really the science background, which isn't, you know, totally new. You just brought up Jason Owe, very focused on engineering when he came in. That played a large role in his commitment. But the extent to which they said, yeah, come in, play with the tools just outside of football. I mean, you're going to lay out everything for a top 25 kid, but... But that part was clearly very important. Yeah, that could be the difference. I mean, forensics is not a you know a major that everybody has. Forensics, criminology, whatever. I, I thought the cool thing, and I wrote this in my piece the other day uh, after talking to Smith. They set up a mock like crime scene, like a crime house for him, and you know they they did the forensics and the DNA and all that kind of stuff, and you sort of trace back to where the and that's something the forensics program has done for years. But it's just something that separates the you know those visits. Like I, like I mentioned last week, he was he was at uh, Notre Dame. Ohio State and Michigan well he goes to Penn State and he does something like that that's something that can set him apart or set Penn State apart so Mm -hmm. just a a really cool thing that you don't really think about I mean some of these guys believe it or not do care about academics Uh, Smith if you talk to him if you talk to his family you you find out pretty uh, pretty quickly that they're that's something that they're really focused on and you know it's something that could at the end of the day put Penn State over the top so it's pretty I just thought that was pretty cool you ready for a detour here love it because then we got to go back and then get to our first mailbag question um, I've come across this recently show called Forensic Files. 
Okay. So in the mid '90s, it's on headline news all the time and on Netflix. The vibe it gives off, though, is the video that your teachers here in middle school or high school would give to a substitute, say, hey, just play this, and it's science-related, and we'll... Because the narrator, it, like, walks you through every single step of what's happening with the real-life cases in the late 80s, sometimes early 90s, and how forensics played a role into that. And one of them, because you mentioned the DNA, was how, like, they first were able to use DNA to, like, find out who the killer was or whatever it happened to be. But... Now that I see it all the time, and there are, kid you not, 20 seasons of it, and it's on headline news, which I didn't know until last night, if that had been something you would watch when you were in school or ever heard of. Uh, I've heard of it. I, I didn't watch it when I was in school. I, I mean, I, I, it's that, is it like an Unsolved Mysteries type thing? No, or? they're all real cases. The point of it is, to, and this is why it reminded me of like, here the substitute just plays it, is right. that the point is to show you how Forensics was able to solve that. So I'm not saying Brandon Smith has ever heard of this, but no. if he has some free time and it's on Netflix, it is clearly like old style or older style production. Like I said, it started in, I think, 96, but there are tons of different episodes, all very real cases, and uh, cover a wide range of stuff. I mean, some of it's kind of nasty but like it's it's cool and i didn't know if that was something you knew about because it's something obviously i just i learned about well there's your pitch i like it yeah I mean, forensic files forensic files the brandon smith story hopefully not <laughs> uh also this weekend jersey nike uh, a lot of penn state targets a couple or excuse me one penn state commit taekwon roberson had a really good day uh threw the ball well of course not gonna blow anybody away physically um but he threw the ball better than tyson fomashan which uh you know is a, another guy at penn state still going after by the way still going after two quarterbacks even though yes. Tommy Stevens is coming back because Tommy Stevens does not impact that, uh, that that particular class at all um, but uh, Roberson th- threw well kind of trailed off at the end but uh, you know showed a, a good arm you know he's he's six foot uh, on a good day um, so he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you with measurables but he's a winner he's accurate and I think that's really what we keep going back to with him and the trace comparisons are going to be there no matter what yeah but, and they're in the shotgun so much in certain offenses you might need that if you were more under center but the way they have you know trace now and, and take one down the road deployed, you know, four to seven yards back, um, they'll be just fine. Yeah. Helping their stock this weekend, Caden Wallace was an absolute monster. Um, how he did not get the offensive line MVP, I'm not really sure. That went to Salim Worley, uh, excuse me, Salim Wormley, another kid that Penn State has offered, but Caden Wallace was just a, he was a bully, man. He was just throwing kids around uh, doing some, some, some crazy stuff at guard. I think they played him at tackle a little bit as well. Um, you know, Penn State owning the crystal ball there. He's been on campus a ton he'll be back for the spring game which by the way friday i think we're going to get into uh spring game visitors on the site so uh you know look for that but uh yeah andre white another guy that's been to penn state a ton another guy that penn state owns the crystal ball for yep. had another good showing i think this was his third nike camp so probably knew what to expect going in i talked to some people afterwards they really like his upside his size is legit uh six two and a half six three 225 can really move can play in space and, and coverage and, and nick cross who we talked about a while ago I'm not extremely bullish on Penn State's chances right now with Nick Cross, but he was the highest spark score, heck of an athlete out of the math. Ahead of Alfano. Yeah, ahead of Alfano. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a special athlete. If you can put it together on the football field, you know, he's going to keep shooting up the rankings. So a couple of guys that, uh, that that our guys saw in Jersey Nike, of course, I wasn't there this weekend, but, uh, you know, a couple of guys, Penn State was definitely a factor, um, you know, with a lot of guys at, at Jersey Nike. Very good. All right. First question of the mailbag. Whew. It is now or never for which Penn State players on the roster. 
That's a great question because I, I think there's, a, for lack of a better term, a lot less dead weight on the roster right now. Um, you know, there, there are some older guys that, that we could talk about. You know, Jay Cooper's on the defensive side of the ball. They've talked about him a few times this uh, this offseason. You know, he's a senior, so I, I'm not sure that now or never applies in this manner because he's going to be back. And, well, you know. and that's the way I look at this question, too, is it's interesting on the level of, like, this is a big season for so-and-so, but you could take now or never to mean a couple of different things. Right. Cooper's a perfect example. Senior year you have no more time after this it is literally now or never or perhaps another player who's projected to get in the starting lineup if he doesn't will probably be supplanted next year Jonathan Holland comes to mind yeah like you're a little bit hurt or you're a redshirt sophomore coming up who's really underdeveloped maybe you're at a position like offensive line or cornerback where you're kind of falling down the depth chart now or never to decide do you want to transfer are they going to try to usher you out because of that like there are a number of ways you could go with this Holland came to mind for me because I think people are most interested in who's going to make an impact right or who's not going to be around who you would think might be there I think the the first team spot will be his when he comes back healthy for camp but you've got some competition in there with Nick Bowers and especially the freshmen who are going to be looking to play right away yeah and you, you've got every opportunity in the world tight end. I mean, yeah, Danny Dalton, I think, fits in that category too, a little bit differently. Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, he's still still a little bit young, but you know, he's getting his opportunity, and he's going to find out if he stacks up pretty quickly. So, yeah, uh, I, I look at the positions, uh, you know, that are a little bit more loaded. I mean, corner. Uh, you know, haven't heard a ton about DJ Brown, who's just a redshirt freshman, but still, I mean, with, with the way they're cycling talent at corner, if you get caught up in that in that uh, sort of vacuum, you, you might find yourself, you know, looking around at some point so um you know dj brown's there we've, we've heard great things about donovan johnson so you know you're looking at a classmate and i think this is another version now or number you're looking at a classmate that just went through the red shirt year with you that just went you know that that is on your level it's taking strides and, and you're sort of falling behind you know i mean that's the, the that's one thing that you could look at as a, a potential guy that you know whether or not he gets onto the field this year could could say a lot about his future right that future being 2019 2019 so now our first five thoughts about 2019 spring ball. I think we should start with the obvious here. It's going to be Tommy Stevens takes over. That was and a good segue. Thanks. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm here for. All right. Um, now it's kind of been ruined. <laughs> well, I had to throw the compliment in there. Well, I appreciate Tom, it. Tommy Stevens takes over, and I think we're in agreement here. We do think he's the starter. I, I know there's a lot of people saying, oh, he's not guaranteed because Sean Clifford's coming back, and you know, there's other guys there. No but, disrespect to Sean, but are these Sean's parents saying that? Or who's like. <laughs> Sean's parents are fantastic. No, I, I absolutely I believe that. He's been, you know, very great interactions with him. I'm just saying, you know, it, there's every reason to believe a guy who's pushing the starter job of now who's like an outside candidate for the Heisman this year. The psyche of the people that follow this, when they heard Tommy Stevens was looking around, automatically just chopped down Tommy Stevens in their minds. Oh, okay. Saying, he can't, we haven't seen him throw. He can't throw. We haven't seen him lead an offense, so how do we know that he's going to be able to beat out Sean Clifford, who's taking all these spring reps, and he's taking all these spring reps, but Tommy's coming back. He's coming back to start. Right. Yeah. And be one play away potentially from taking over the team if anything, you know, injury-wise happens, unfortunately. That's on you. That's on you. Now I'm good. All right, great. So, yeah, but Tommy Stevens comes in. I think, you know, the offense you would still trust because you've got a starting caliber quarterback right now who's on the bench in Stevens, who in a limited sample, clearly very effective as a runner. The only question I would have with, with Tommy at that stage is, can the style that he's exhibited so far, which is lower my shoulders, bowl people over, I think the power run game and the quarterback run game would be excellent, particularly close to the goal line with him, an upgrade over Trace. Um, but can he sustain that for a full season? I mean, you're going to take a lot more punishment 
Hamilton. He's a much bigger player. He's more physical. But you just can't afford to do that when you've got the likes of Michigan, then Michigan State, then Ohio State throwing in Iowa, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about this, I think, two years ago with Trace McSorley when there wasn't a clear backup. Um, but, I mean, do you, I guess, do you step off the gas pedal and how much does that impact your offense? If you if you tell Tommy Stevens not to tuck it and run, how much is that going to impact your offense? Yeah, you can't tell him not to be himself. Right. So I think that they stick with the plan. You've got a capable backup in Clifford if if that's where we're at a year from now. Um, so I, I I don't think that changes all that much. I you know I do think they have work to do with Stevens as, as a thrower. And you know I said a little bit earlier that you know he can throw the ball. Um, and and we've seen he can chuck it. He can chuck it. Yeah. I mean he'll he'll be okay throwing the ball. He still has some work to do. I mean let's yes. let's not say that those two are mutually exclusive. So I I, I don't think a ton changes. Um, you know look you look at the the weapons and we'll get to that later in terms of what they they lose after 2018 or can potentially lose after 2018 um i i think the offense will look fairly similar with tommy yeah i think so too um physicality being the only concern but i think you have to be super excited about what penn state would return because you know defensively you're gonna have more starters returning presumably in 2019 than you do right now with only just four guys back and that's you know excluding the whole john reed conversation but um and that offensive line has potential to be really really good yes yeah i think that 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 goes you know we'll probably talk about that a little bit later but that's that's something worth mentioning yeah he'll be he'll be very good but that will be the talk of spring ball without question tommy stevens yeah uh second mailbag question we've heard a lot about kj hamler but who on defense is getting the most buzz this spring you brought up donovan johnson i think a minute ago talking about dj brown maybe fading kind of into the back there and maybe you know thinking about what his future would be he's someone we've heard of uh, beyond that garrett taylor probably in that conversation yeah I'm, i mean i look at the the buzz that kj hamler has generated so far and i don't see a guy like that on defense i, I know point. a couple yeah. guys that have stepped up and you know y- y- you mentioned donovan or i mentioned jonathan johnson micah parsons is always mentioned um a guy that we haven't really mentioned jan johnson's getting the first team reps at linebacker mike linebacker right now so that yep. that's a good thing um garrett taylor and damian barber is a guy that's that stepped up in the last week or so and and really has uh I guess, um, you know, turned a very good off season into a good spring practice session. So that's the thing. I don't think there's a guy like one guy right now, but they're playing so many people. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. I mean, you're not throwing one guy, one person out there that, you know, is, is going to get most of the reps at safety and get a bunch of interceptions or anything like that. Hamler. I mean, there's, there's not a ton of wide receivers out there, so you're going to throw him the ball. He's going to, he's going to make plays and he's going to get the headlines because of it. Defensively, they're, they're just shuffling guys in and out. And I'll completely back you up on that because when hey, we go to practice, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Well, when I was at practice last week, I think you, you were uh, going to Charleston at that point? No, I was um, laying on my bathroom floor at that point. Oh, very good. The illness. Long yes. Tuesday night out. Oh, yeah, something like that. But anyway, so they're shuffling in the players, as you said. It's it's not just someone sticking there and playing all the snaps. I mean, it's it's blurring the lines between not just your first and second team, but second, third, and fourth. Right, a lot so of light blue this, it, this it's, spring. It's yeah. different than when we report with our VIP notes after Wednesdays during the season that goes, oh, hey, Will Fries is now the first team right tackle. Like, he might be at right tackle, and he's standing next to, you know, Michael Mennett, who presumes first team. But then the center could be Mike Miranda, and your left guard is going to be, you know, I don't know, like, you know, Charlie Schumann, perhaps, and then left tackle they're all shuffling them in and out so it is difficult to say the other part about this is it's you know hamler's buzz has been so strong like we heard from juan johnson a year ago and i wrote about this this morning was just it it gets to the point where you think there's been a decree from james that just says and if you get this question you need to 
say KJ, which, you know, and last year with, it was maybe a little bit stronger with Juwan, but, you know, he's a guy, you've brought it up multiple times. The high school tape just says, wow. And now that he's fully healthy, he's got his year in the system. Brandon Polk was telling us he's ahead of the curve when it comes to the playbook and adjusting. He's just got to let those natural gifts come out and not try to do too much. And there are really high hopes for him. It's not locked into the starting lineup, but um, no one on defense is generating that buzz because few players can do that quite like KJ is and Juwan Johnson did. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. All right. Next look at 2019. Second point. Um, I think they're going to have a dominant defensive line. And this stems from, you know, thinking that Kevin Givens or Rob Windsor perhaps both will be back because, again, that middle is going to be softer compared to the ends. Even if Sharif Miller goes off to the NFL, which I believe right now is a fair projection, you still got such just ridiculous depth on the outside. And then another year of seasoning for someone like Chaka Tony. Imagine him in his third year, given what he did a year ago on a per-snap basis as the best pass rusher on this team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. He'll be 220 pounds by then. Uh, but, no, I mean, uh, Sharif Miller, who, you know, you could see going. I mean, he's got some some things in his background that, that, that he's talked about potentially exploring that option next year if he has a good season. Um, Buckles should be back. Uh, Yitor Gross-Matto, Shane, Sim- uh, Shane Simmons, Daniel Joseph, Tony. I mean, there's just so many options there. And that's not even talking about Micah Parsons. If they do decide to eventually move him back to defensive end, Jason Alway will oh, be yeah. coming in. I mean, they're, they're just going to have a glut of, of talent at defensive end. And, uh, and uh, we mentioned it before. These guys are going to get to the quarterback this year. I see no reason why they won't in 2019. So I'm right there with you. Still concerned about defensive tackle. It's been a spot where they, they've had issues. Uh, I looked at 2019. Uh, P.J. Mustafer is, yep. is going to crack that chart, whether you know he plays as a true freshman or not. Judge Culpepper, I think, will be in that mix by next spring. He'll put on some weight as well. So they're starting to, to replenish that, that that talent stock there. Uh, we'll see what Fred Hansard has. We'll see what Shelton has well, this Damian year. Damian Barber, too. Oh, Damian Barber, who we just mentioned as well. So they've got numbers there. Um, you know, They're just... It's so green right now that we can't really project how they're going to look a year from now at that spot. And I think it's it's worth being a concern now, but they, they can easily turn that around in, in the next year. Yeah, and again, that starts with one of Rob Windsor or Kevin Givens comes back because then effectively you've got, you know, three starters back in 2019. But the depth there is just so ridiculous. Yeah, like, I just it, think it would be not akin to 2015 when you had three guys to go to the NFL, but maybe kind of a year before in 2014 where you go, there are some real names here that could develop to that level. Because yeah. like you said, Hansard and Mustafer, to me, I think where they're kind of question marks now that you'll count on them, like another year of that given their four-star pedigree. Uh, yeah, and if Ellison Jordan gets healthy, then yeah. Yeah, it's well, another yeah, body. Totally that him. He's a different type of, of defensive tackle, cause sort of kind of like Givens in terms of being active. So they have options there, but it's uh, it, it's going to be a, a long year. I mean, we're we're going to sit here and talk about the defensive tackles and you know how much they can hold up an interior like Ohio State or something like that this year. Um, next year, I think that they'll be okay. That that's a co- that's college football. We've seen yeah. it. You know, yeah. you, you've covered the team for a couple of years and you've seen this already cycle through probably two or three times. So. Question number three from the mailbag. Uh, with the tight end position wide open, could Pat Frymuth come in and play? I see no reason he couldn't. I mean, he's he's bigger. Um, he's 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 older. I mean, he's yes. He, I talked about this a yeah, handful of times already. Of course, and uh, so he's got an opportunity to. And if those guys are hurt, I mean, why not give him a shot? I mean, he's if if he can handle it physically, if he can handle the reps mentally, yeah, I, I don't see there's a reason that he couldn't. Not saying he's a lock to play right away, but in, in no. terms of the tight ends that they've brought in the last couple of years, I mean, he's the most game ready since Mike Gesicki, and Gesicki was a different kind of game ready. He's an athletic freak that you put on right away. Fryermuth 
all around is is probably more ready. And that was a comparison James gave the other week for Zach Coots, right? Like he he's much more advanced in the passing game than you would expect from a freshman, but he's at really ground zero from a blocking perspective because he didn't do it a whole lot in high school. You know, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of natural leverage. But you, if you're going to put him in there, it's going to be for more of a you know receiving standpoint and skill set. Pat's a little bit more balanced in that respect. Like I said, he's a year older, having to reclassify and go back a year when he went to prep school. I mean, he's not in spring ball, and nothing can replace that. But having the team's playbook and having their strength and conditioning plan and being able to do that on his own, which I presume that he is, yeah. I mean, wouldn't put him as far back as you would say, like, oh, he's just going to show up in June, and then you're going to be working out, and then it's just, what can you do in camp? Like, it does hinge on Holland and Bowers first. Yeah, like, Nick Bowers, if he's 100% healthy, which we say 100 times is a big if, I think that's his job. Um, but if you need someone to capably fill in and be able to be, you know, the NBA version would be a two-way player, like he's going to be a two-way tight end, he would probably be second in my mind. Um, the other part about that is how quickly does he develop chemistry with Trace, who right now through a month is still working on that with the likes of KJ Hamler and Matt Kippenhammer, who he hasn't thrown to before. He also hasn't shared a campus for more than a couple of days with Pat Fryermuth. Right, Pat, and, and Pat's coming into play. Um, but I, I agree with you 100%. It depends on Bowers. It depends on Holland. You know, if those guys can get healthy and you can get something out of them, it changes everything in terms of, of, of needs there. And Dalton as well. I mean, we, we yep. kind of sit here and watch him take all the first team reps and, and sort of assume he's going to be pushed to the back when those other guys get healthy. Don't know if that's the case or not. So. Right. All right. Back to 2019. Back to the future here. Um, I think there's a chance that they have to replace Brent Pry. Ooh, interesting. Came very, very, very close to happening this offseason. Penn State would have lost both its coordinators. Obviously, they didn't want to do that. Something happens behind the scenes. Lo and behold, he's back here instead of in uh, Louisiana Lafayette where he had coached before. And he had... Um, I believe that was reported at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wife's uh, family's down there. I think there. he's been reported to Louisiana Lafayette. I think he's been reported to Georgia, Georgia Southern. But he's he's come back around both times. So Yeah. But no, that, that, that opportunity is going to be there at some point. Uh, Brent Pry... You like him, I like him. Tremendously respected among coaches, so uh, the opportunity is going to be there. So, yeah, let's let's discuss that. I mean, who's your guy in terms of his replacement? In terms of his replacement, yeah, it's got to be Tim Banks. Yeah, I, think I mean, so he's, right now he's a co-defensive coordinator. He has experience coordinating defenses at Illinois before he came on board. I think safety gives you a good big picture perspective. Banks also has a lot of experience, as many of the assistants do, of coaching other positions too. So he's he's coached linebackers. I don't think he would take over coaching linebackers right away. I would presume they'd bring in someone different. Uh, but Banks would be the go-to. They'd prefer to stay in-house. They're going to keep the same system. He'll make his own tweaks. But I don't. It's kind of like Ricky Ronnie was back in December. Right. He seems very logical. The only candidate that should really deserve serious consideration. And you sat down with Tim last week or a couple weeks ago to talk yeah. about the safeties. And I, I sat down with him last spring. I, you know, I was impressed about how engaging he was and you know how thoughtful his answers were. What, what, what were your impressions? And I did this to you with Ricky last week. What were your impressions of Tim? You know, I've I've spoken with Tim in a one-on-one basis before. Uh, I'm not going to give where or when that was because that's going to lead into a piece I'll have in a few weeks. But he is definitely very engaging. And and I think, like I said, he's got a a big picture. I think he's honestly a little bit older than you would guess from speaking with him because you look at his his background and his bio and it's like you've been coaching since the mid-90s. Like he would think, you, you know, the way he's able to connect and recruit with certain kids and also just speak to you on a personal level. So for him, I think that's what plays into him being a very good coach. You know, we haven't chatted a whole lot of X and O's, but I, I assume obviously if he's on the staff, there's a real, you know, good feel about his strength in that area. And I think he's someone who's definitely an asset to his staff, um, just beyond you know his Michigan roots, and you know is someone who has coached for a 
a long time. Like he, he's got a good, well-rounded skill set. Yeah, he's extremely measured as well. He's just he's just kind of he, he, you can see him you can see the thought process going, and then when he speaks, it just kind of it just kind of all flows together. He's, he's eloquent. He he really lays out what's going on. And if you ask a question in which you know it might be wrong, he'll tell you you're wrong. So I, I appreciate that yeah. about him. It was pretty funny. We were talking last last spring, and we were talking about safeties and. You know, What'd you I, get wrong? Uh, I didn't. It's not that I got something wrong. It's that I mentioned somebody before Troy Apke, and he's like, "Whoa, hey, forget, it. don't forget about Trap." Yeah, and he was right. So it's uh, it's just crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if Pry goes, uh, you might see a new linebackers coach. Uh, we're far from speculating on that. Chris Marv is a guy that I've circled for a long time here. <laughs> not that far. We're not. We're, right. we're far from speculating. Far but from hey, speculating. Chris Marv, go to the next one. Uh, inside linebackers coach at Vanderbilt played for James Franklin. Uh, you know, tremendously successful linebackers there. Coach Zach Cunningham as well. Um, he's a guy that I look to, you know, I guess when they started talking about replacing other guys. I mean, Marv is a guy that, that, that sort of jumps off the page in terms of his resume. I mean, he's he's got the opportunity. He's a young, energetic guy, uh, recruits well. A lot of people like him. So uh, without getting too far into replacing the staff, that's just one name to throw out there. You, you put it on the you put it on the sheet. So I had No, to and it was just funny that the, that the first idea that followed your sentence of we're not going to speculate. Speculate was, a name. was yeah. here's an speculation. Yeah. But listen, yeah. your guess is as good as anyone's and better than anyone's. So Chris that. Marv, I, I think, is you know we're, we're still too early. Brent will get a head coaching job at some point. He said as much. I think it'll happen next year. It's not a guarantee or a bet I'm placing, but um, a real possibility. Moving on. All right, who will return the opening kick against Appalachian State? And who will kick the ensuing extra point? I like the uh, the optimism here. That was great. Chris Marv is, is my pick. <laughs> I don't want to speculate. It's too, it's too early to speculate on yeah. this. Um, I'm going to you know just stick with the the safe uh, selection here. Miles Sanders. I mean, he's been back there. You know, was as a freshman, was going to as a sophomore until they you know wanted to put Saquon back for Heisman campaign purposes. And you know, he did a very good job. Obviously, two returns for touchdowns. You don't have anyone better in the country, but it, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's had experience. They don't think there's a whole lot of risk, if any at all of placing a great player back there because you've got the vision and ability to dodge incoming tacklers so I think Miles Sanders is uh, he's he's also been there in practice. Yeah. I'll say that too. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy that's been there in practice and has done it in games. Uh, Brandon Polk, I think, is uh, another fairly safe bet. So uh, I'll go with Polk. Um, the kicking is is kind of wide open because we we heard last week that Carson Landis. Oh, I watched Carson. Or you Landis watched Carson Landis last week. It was just difficult, and you don't want to you know knock a kid. Obviously, he's a redshirt freshman. He's not a scholarship guy, and it's a small sample. The problem is the power of your sample also. Plays plays a role in that. So if something is, you know, small, but it's really, really strong, in this case, it was very, very bad, it's hard to project one for six showing when all those kicks were inside of 40 yards. So the one he made was a 32-yarder, and Blake Killigan is knocking them straight down the middle. Gilligan's not going to kick. I think it's kind of breaking, you know, the glass in case of emergency. That's where Blake is from a place-kicking perspective because he also could be the kickoff guy. Right. Um, Landis could be the kickoff guy. I don't, I don't know how he's done there. I know he's got a very strong leg, but th- this... To me, the only answer right now is Jake Pinnegar, who we haven't even really seen on campus. Yeah, I mean, I, to work out. I've got questions as well about that. I mean, Pinnegar has the big leg. Um, you know, does he have the accuracy yet? Does he have the consistent stroke or whatnot? 
Uh, you don't know, but I, I think Pinnegar is probably the the safest bet if there is one. A couple other walk-ons coming in: Vlad Hilling, Rafael Cheka, who are yeah. actually really good high school kickers. Yes. Um, so do, do you split it up? I think Pinnegar can be the the kickoff specialist. He's got that big leg. Um, Cheka has been accurate. Uh, Hilling is one of the more accurate kickers in Pennsylvania. So. The opportunity will be there for, for all those guys, but I think Pinnaker's the, the guy you look to right away. Okay. New faces at wide receiver and cornerback. That Those are the two strengths coming into 2018. I think those are going to be question marks. Maybe not question marks are strong, but I think wide receivers. Storylines, yeah. Yeah, yeah, storylines. You're waving goodbye to DeAndre Tompkins. I think Juwan Johnson will follow him out the door. Right. Um, cornerback, Amani Oriare, similarly, like DeAndre, will be gone. I think John Reed will follow him out the door. Oh, very good. I think he could have an excellent season. He's obviously a kid who does not have a problem uh, picking things up, you know, and would have a degree at that point. Could certainly earn a second degree and and find value in learning more. But you know, as a guy who's also projects as a pro, if you prove you're completely healed and you have an All Big Ten season, like I think he's certainly capable of having. Might as well go get that money. I am right there with you. I think uh, the opportunity is there for those guys, uh, Johnson especially. I mean, Johnson. Uh, you know, we, we're not seeing him in spring this this year because of an injury. But I mean, the guy's six four. He runs a. You know, he's going to run. High four fours, four five, right around there. So, I mean, you've got that complete package. He was productive last year, so the opportunity is there. But we're not talking about those guys. We're talking about the guys potentially replacing him. Right, Justin Shorter. I mean, you got to look right there. If, if Jawan Johnson's the guy out of there, Justin Shorter's got to be a guy. Mac Hippenhammer, who's having a good spring, and then KJ Hamler that is there. And um, yeah, they, they've got some options, but uh, those those are the guys that really jump out. Right, and I think you also consider Brandon Polk at that point. But, you know, if, if K.J. Hamler is going to win the starting slot job, which would then move DeAndre Tompkins, who's been at the slot, to the Z, you know, that means he's probably going to hold on to the slot and they'll need to replace the Z as is. But Matt Kippenhammer can play the Z. Just I, was, I, was doing, I was trying to do the math in terms of Polk because it feels like he's been here for about six years. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. so he'll, he'll be a junior this year. He got, of course, he got the medical red shirt. Uh, right. Or not the medical red shirt, but he, took, he got a red shirt because of the injury. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they've certainly got options there. You're going to lose Tompkins, which I think is probably going to hurt more than people think that it will right now. So. Right. And then I think at corner, though, you'll be okay. I mean, Tariq Castro-Fields will be able to step in. That second corner spot, I think, is a little bit more up for grabs. But we've talked about Don Johnson a couple of times now. Um, Trent Gordon, you know, is a name who's shown well as an early enrollee this year. And honestly, you know, it's Jabari Butler maybe, you know, a lot of names in contention there. Yeah, absolutely. There's always talent at corner. We talked about that earlier when we were talking about Brown. I mean, there's they're just continuing to funnel guys up through there. Jordan Miner is, is yes. a guy they're really high on. Um, you know, whether he sticks at corner his entire career, I don't know. But 2019, he he'll, he'll be a corner. So um, interested to see how that plays out. But another thing with it, they still got length back there. They still got speed and, and talent. So it's one of those things where they're going to cycle through guys, and they they need experience for some of those younger guys. But they'll be they'll be fine. Question Question number four, uh, who among the three defensive backs in the draft right now, Marcus Allen, Christian Campbell, and Grant Haley, will have the best NFL career? That's a good question. That's a really good question, whoever asked that. Um, And I go back to me being as high on Christian Campbell as I I am with his athletic ability, with his, you know, I think he's he's moved himself up with pro day and everything like that. But I still think it's Marcus Allen. I think Mm. Marcus Allen, probably the the safest in terms of build. He can show, you know, he can can stand up. Uh, He's got NFL size. He can stand up. Christian Campbell has NFL size too, but he's lacked consistency at times. As as high as I've been on him, he's, he's struggled with consistency. 
Grant Haley is is certainly the dark horse, and I think he's probably your answer, considering the nickel corner is such a, you know, is, has morphed into a premier position. In it's the a NFL. starter. It's a starter. Everyone's playing nickel, so and it's that, a that tough is position answer. to play. He, he can play. Yeah, that's my answer. I think there's no question. Marcus Allen goes first. Probably Christian Campbell goes second. You know, I'm not talking rounds here, but obviously the order of these three players and Grant Haley laughs. But because a nickel is now a starter, no one is playing traditional four three or three four. It's all five DBs, potentially six. He'll have a role. He'll excel on special teams. He's great off the field, which isn't to say any of these guys aren't. But, you know, it's just uh, he was the most consistent and his production improved. And, again, that special teams value. I just worry, you know, when their best games came to it this season, Christian Campbell was not that guy who you'd project with those tools to be kind of a shutdown guy. And if and if you are a corner like Campbell is, better impressed, one-on-one, man-to-man, if you're not handling guys from, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, who are talented whiteouts in their own right, how are you going to do – in the league. Right. And it, again, he's a guy who could have used a red shirt, was forced into action early, got hurt, you know, was honestly the third corner until John Reed went down and has all the tools. But, you know, just right now, as it stands, I, I would like Grant Haley over him. And for Marcus Allen, it's more of a big picture thing about the league. You know, because they're going more nickel and spread out, you've got to be more in one on one coverage as safety than they've ever have to be. It used to be just stay back there and you are the safety valve. That's not the case anymore. And that's where I would worry with him because it's clearly his strengths in college with the one interception were run support tackling and handling backs and tight ends but that wasn't you know beyond that uh, him on a slot receiver right now in the league might worry me yeah i agree i agree all right last uh last point here for 2019 we're going to talk a lot about the back loaded schedule now 2018 schedule is tough enough but listen to the stretch that they're going to face beginning in early october to mid-november at iowa michigan at home it's going to be the whiteout game you can pencil it in right now by week at Michigan State, at what I think will be an even more improved Minnesota program. Absolutely. Indiana at home and then at Ohio State. So you've got, uh, let's see, three road games and four kickoffs at the end, and that's five road games in seven weeks in there, including a bye. Yeah, that's not ideal, <laughs> especially with what, what, what we expect to be a first-year starter, Ooh. Tommy Stevens, a quarterback. It's not ideal. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. The, the, of course, you're going to look at Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year as, as potential trip-up games. But at Iowa, never easy to play. And at Minnesota, you know, if they keep going the way that they're going, I'm not saying they're going to be a Big Ten power or anything like that, but, I mean, they're rowing the boat. They're doing okay. They're recruiting, man. Yeah. Don't so, have to tell you. And Minnesota is a tough place to play. I mean, it's, uh, last time Penn State was out there, I believe they lost. Uh, it's tough to get up for. So, um, you know, if if Penn State's going to compete, and I do think they'll they'll have the offensive line to compete at the top of the Big Ten in 2019, um, you know, the, these are games that they have to win. But, man, it's uh, that's not ideal. Not ideal at all. You know we would have no need to get up for? What's that? Three-on-three basketball tournament against the beat, <laughs> which is what, I kid you not, someone tweeted at me. Penn State beat writers are having a three-on-three basketball tournament. Who do you pick to be on your team? Take the title and why. Wow. Well, I've never played with you, but I, I, I'll go with you on my team just just because I'm sitting next to you. Because you're sitting next to me. <laughs> well, John McGonagall sitting on the other side of me. I'm not going to take John. Sorry, John. Uh, but uh, My roommate, for clarification, while we're all hanging out here and John's been silent for the entirety of the podcast. Right, right. Um, I'm going to take you, and, and we need a point guard. Uh, we need a, a round little red face point guard. <laughs> 
So <laughs> this, I know where it, this is it, going. It, and I'm going to take my buddy Nate Bauer from Blue White Illustrated, who obviously is a, a competitor, but obviously one of my best friends. Nate and I, and this goes back to far beyond before you were on the beat, Nate and I would always get paired together and we'd play our media games when we go on the road or whatnot. And we're basically undefeated. I mean, that, that that's well, basically how it goes. Basically, undefeated is... Sometimes we get matched up with uh, different uh, different teams and things like that. So together, you've never lost. Together, I'm not sure we've lost. Okay, yeah, cool. we, that works for me. The, the funny thing in East Lansing, at the hotel we used to play at or used to stay at out there, there was a racquetball court, and they turned it into a basketball court. So you're talking uh, just narrow. It, it's narrow and it's uh, you know it's very very tight in there. We used to play two on two there, and that was uh, that was really fun because Nate and I just destroyed people. It was it was it was a, it was a good time. So give me Nate, one. Total destruction of someone else on the beat. <laughs> I don't think that I, I contributed to this, but Bernard Fernandez, who used to be with with uh, in, in, out of Philly, actually messed his I think knee or ankle up pretty bad playing. I mean, he, he, there's no reason he should have been on the court, but he stepped the wrong way, and he actually you know he, he spent some time I think on crutches or something like that. And then so, more like emotionally, like, like emotionally, eleven zip. You just uh, we destroyed a lot of people. I. I, I've played some basketball in my day. Nate's more of a uh, Khalid Alamine type, if you will. For uh, <laughs> yes, that, yes, I of course he's, will. He's a little bowling ball. He likes to get going and, and UConn, represent. yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I think that's that's the way I would go with that. Um, okay, was, Brock, well, I, I yeah. played with Nate uh, two months ago. We had media hoops before, um, but we, we he's, had he's not a skilled athlete at all. Just yeah, so but, you know, he's a good golfer, very good, golfer. very, very. Especially with people you don't know, you you stick to your strengths, and as the old saying goes, you kind of play within your game, and then you know, branch out as need be, but you got to establish, you know, a strong start. And I think Nate is very aware of what his strengths are. And there were a couple backdoor passes, perfectly put her quick give and ghost. It's kind of, you played sports for a while. There's a connection of like, I know where this is going. Let me get over there. And that's kind of what won Nate's team in the game. And it really kind of sucked. Um, but yeah, no, I I totally find having Nate in the team. I think I obviously would play uh, pick you. You play more basketball than I think anybody that I know. Um, and then uh, you know because he's sitting to your right, I think John would also be on the team. Right. But I think together we complement our, our strengths uh, as is as well. Because I'm not a, a great shooter, uh, but I will be a dogged defender and just run and and run and tire you out. Well, if you need a spot up shooter, Dave Jones is available. Just mm. ask him; he will play at any time, and he is a spot up shooter, and that's that's pretty much it. Or if you need somebody to do the Dirty work. Frank Bodani can run all day. Frank out of York uh, can just run all day. It's, it's insane. He's he's basically a marathoner out there in the court. Skill set could use some work, but uh, I mean it's uh, it, it's fun to watch Frank out there. You just don't want to get caught uh, jumping over him or anything like that because he will take you out. He's he, he's brutal. The other name I should have mentioned was Matt Bortner, um, who works for State College's uh, ESPN Radio. Okay, we he was playing media hoops and it could shoot. And I'm talking about like you know it's it's usually the the same shot but he's got a step back that's like you're you're gonna get a hand up but you're not gonna get anywhere close and was was making them um so i think he could come off the bench for our uh, super team i've yet to see him play but i'll take your word for it okay and when we play it's it's i'm not talking about one title I'm not talking about two not five not six not seven not eight nine days till blue white game. all right i was wondering where you were going with that but well it's over uh, Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll be back again next week to preview the blue-white game, among other things, recruiting and things like that. Continue to uh, you know, listen to us, rate us on iTunes. Uh, thank you for everyone for your feedback, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Are you including the second four-star that we got? Are you thanking him? H-Town Lion, shout out. Shout out. Uh, he, he made a point. Our audio could be better, and we do need to work on that. Not sure if it's worth 
docking a star, but you know, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll we, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate Honestly. the feedback. We really do. So thanks, thanks guys. See you next week.